Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Today I am joined by Lee. Lee, welcome back. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's it's good to get you back on the show. Um, uh, we've got so much, so much good stuff to talk about today. Um. So, uh, Lee, do you want to sort of like reintroduce yourself, like particularly the bit about like, you know, you do a bit of football coaching? Yeah, uh, just a gooner all my life, basically. Done a bit of coaching and that in my time, played at half decent level. Um, think I know my stuff a little bit, you know, I've got a lot of experience in the game, having played the game and watched the game. And uh, yeah, just love Arsenal, basically. Home and away into many away game, European as well. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just love the club. Brilliant. So it's going to be it's going to be good to get. Uh, like I want to get your thoughts on uh, on a number of things today, and I, I think uh, having a bit of a coaching background and playing at a far better level than me is going to help us get through that. So, uh, yeah, Arsenal versus Wolves. Um, every game, every season, there is a game that occurs where you feel absolutely destroyed after, where it, there's a massive injustice. I think probably the absolute pinnacle of this idea is, uh, you know, Wayne Rooney uh, on the on the Man United run when he when he broke our record. I think that that's the peak of injustice. But Wolves is the first game in a in a while where you walked away and you thought, "Fuck, we were we were absolutely robbed." Um, so I want to talk about this game um, across two different levels. Like, firstly, I want to I, I want to get all the bad stuff out of the way early because I actually think that there's a much better conversation to be had because for 46 minutes it was pretty good but before we get into that I want I just want to get your top like what's your what's your top line view of the game last night I thought it was excellent I think it was probably one of the best performances under Arteta that we've seen I thought I actually thought defensively for 45 minutes I think it was 45 it was superb I thought Louise was superb as well. I thought he was probably the better out of the two centre-halves with him and Holding. I thought he covered up everything. He was excellent. Thomas Party in midfield was just, he was just, he was world-class. He was purely world-class. And uh, Pepe, Saka, I mean, and Laka, all rhymed there, didn't it? I mean, they was, <laughs> they was, uh, they was, they were superb. I thought they tore him apart. And I just thought we was excellent. The triangles that we played at times were just, it was so quick and their fullbacks were like, where's this ball coming from? And they just couldn't stop it. They just couldn't stop it. I, would, I did think, why have Wolves given party so much time? And then I looked at it and I thought, well, he's just so good. I just thought they couldn't get near him. He's, it's, it's rare for us to look at a midfielder and see the ball move so quickly, like the way he distributes. Incredible. And he, he, he doesn't mind. What I love about him 
He takes the ball. It doesn't matter when he when there's someone right up his backside. He can take the ball at any stage. It ain't like it. You know, he checks his shoulders. He knows someone's there. Bang, and then it's gone within like within two touch maximum, and it's gone. And then and also he drives with the ball as well and plays that forward pass. It's it's just something that we've lacked massively. And as long as he stays fit, I think we've got a real real chance against anyone. Right, we're we're going to get onto that good stuff because I think there are lots of avenues that we can take on the good stuff um, after. But we do we do have to um, we do have to talk about why it went so wrong. And um, <coughs> I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that David Luiz was having a blinder because he, he he really was, and we know that he's capable of that. And it, it was such a shame for that penalty decision to happen. So David Luiz gets sent off. Um, uh, like, talk, what what were your thoughts on on the penalty? Jesus, uh, it annoyed me a bit that I thought we've got caught out just before half time because the ball just got sort of played in be in between them, didn't it? And I was a bit like, oh, why has that happened? And then uh, then when he's come past, I felt a bit sorry for him because I looked at him and I thought he ain't meant to touch him there at all. And then I thought, hold on a minute, it's David Luiz. He, he ain't stupid. He does make these little things where he tries to make out that it doesn't look like he's doing something. And you, as football supporters, everyone knows what he's actually trying to do. Then the penalty get, get I also thought as well, one thing why he didn't really probably need to touch him at all was that no one said at the minute is that Leno was really out and sharp off his line, which he's very good at Leno, right? I'll, I'll give him... He's very quick off his line. And I thought, I wonder if their centre-forward, I can't remember their forward's name, but if he actually got Williams. shot off, would he would he be too too close to him for it to even beat him? Like, you know, in that instance. And then obviously the penalty's given and you just thought, just before half-time, bloody, okay, penalty. Because um, I think it was probably a penalty. And then to get sent off as well, then we're going on to the bad refereeing that has cost us... Uh, a lot over the last, I don't know, 12 months. Well, as it goes, a lot under the uh, Arteta reign, to be honest with you. Um, and then it's another sending off and you're right up against it, anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there was a lot to unpack, I mean, like on that goal, just in general, just like if you're going to be super harsh, our, our game management in the 47th minute, like Leno should maybe take a, a little bit more time over that ball. Um, yeah. You know, two seconds and he's he's launched the ball up. Um, David Luis is always, you know, going to be up someone's backside. Uh, and if you're going to run that close behind a player in the penalty box, you have to assume that there is always the chance of an accident. But the the thing that pissed me off the most is um, Paulson, the referee. You know, he just wanted to send him off. Like there was no, uh, you know, umming and ring. I'll go to VAR. He just looked hungry to send him off straight away. You know, that the, um, Mike Riley used to be like that. Really wanted to make that, you know, really wanted that game to hinge on an epic decision that he made. And I kind of feel like this guy, I think we've lost four games in a row with him refereeing. And I don't want to get into refereeing conspiracies. But when you're making, when, a, when contact is, is so slight, you really want to make sure you've got to go and run up to that video and you've got to run that over and over again. And maybe we can get to, maybe we can get to penalty. Maybe we get to penalty because, you know, his ankle lightly grazed the back of the foot, but it was accidental to get the red card as well. Mm. It's, it's a horrendous mistake. And, and there's a video doing the rounds at the moment that shows Luis against Chelsea clattering his man and getting sent off. And then he doesn't go for him yesterday because the rule is, you know, if you if, if if you don't go for the man, you don't get sent off, and he still gets sent off. And hundred percent, right? It's not surprising that people are, you know, in a conspiratorial mindset. I think we're one, you know, as a, as a club, I think we make what you know, the least fouls in the Premier League, but we've had the most sendings off by an absolute margin. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean <laughs> that that. Uh, it was on BT Sport over here and Ferdinand said at half time, he said, so hold on a minute. He doesn't go to make a tackle and because he clips in accidentally, he gets sent off. But if he absolutely clatters him and knows exactly what he's doing, 
he only gets a yellow card. He said, how on earth? He was like, Ferdinand was brilliant, to be fair on it. He said, it's the most stupid rule that's ever been made in football. He said, they've got to stop all these stupid rules. I mean, that's a total another subject, but that's the rule. Go to VAR. What's, if you don't know the rule, he's got VAR in his ear. Say, right, what, what's, what's the best thing for me to do it? Just ask. Yeah. What's the problem with that? What's the problem? Say, look, look to the video. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, look at the video. I, I don't see the problem. All right, granted, penalty, lovely. But the sending off as well, well, he's got it wrong, hasn't he? He's got that wrong. So, I don't know. That guy as well, you've been talking about that ref. It, I've seen a lot about him like over last night and that. And uh, it does seem like there's a bit of agenda against us from him. It really does. Yeah, and it's... um. And when you're making a big decision like that, you should use all the tools at your disposal and you should come out at the end of the game and you should be held accountable. Why did you make that decision? Why didn't you go to the screen? Mm. What was like, what was going through your mind during that? But you won't, you'll hide away. No one will know what the action, what action was taken against that referee. But, but for me, it just, it, it's, um, there's an Arsene Wenger comment doing the rounds and, um, Wenger said, no one wants to talk about this, uh, you know, the state of refereeing in England. But when it comes to the World Cup, FIFA don't pick English referees anymore. But no one wants to have that conversation. And it is like Italy has a professional uh, body that looks after referees. And so does England. And it's like, I think it's Mike Riley that runs. He's the director. (laughs) Well, there you go, mate. There you go. What what, what can you ask Average. Why, why do you even need to be a referee to run this? You just need somebody that understands football that can come in and hold these people accountable because um, too, too many decisions in the Premier League um, hinge on bad decisions. And when you're using technology, right, mm. when you've got technology and you're still making the wrong decision, someone's heads have to roll, right? They wouldn't do that business. What they need in there, that they need a, an ex-player who's played the game as the head of it and just re, uh, re-educate the whole of our refereeing system to say, look, this is the game of football. This is how it's played. These mistakes do happen. Sometimes they don't mean this, this, this and this. And then have just someone who's played the game as, a, as the head of the referees and, and so who's unbiased against everybody and then go from there about it. At least you'll see a proper viewpoint of someone who's played football and understands what why players make certain decisions, why players make rest tackles and stuff like that. And I just think it would help the game as a whole, to be honest with you. Instead, we've got um, Mike Riley. I mean, come on, he's bloody useless. He was a useless ref. So why, ref. Do you think that we, why do you think you're going to get something good out of him when he's, yeah. he's the worst ref going anyway? It's... Um, uh... I'm I'm reading this uh, I'm reading this book by the the guy that started Netflix, Reed Hastings, and his view um, of his own business is uh, you don't need rules when you have exceptional talent. And I feel like in the world of refereeing, we we have to keep on going back and building layer upon layer of rules, and we keep on getting them wrong. But I, w- I wonder what you thought about you know with the penalties at the moment. I fucking, I hate that if, if a player gets a, a, a slight touch in the box, it's a penalty. Right? Why, mm. why, can't it ju- why can't we just get to, uh, like, you played for that penalty, so therefore it is not a penalty. That was contact that you engineered, so it is not a penalty. Because I, I, I feel like when, when the penalty box becomes this, like, this danger zone, where where even a graze it, it takes something out of the game for me like I, like penalties should be penalties did you like strikers should never be playing for the penalty in my opinion 100% if, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a striker a centre forward can get his shot off get your shot off that good centre forwards will get their shot off nine times out of ten like they'll, they'll try and get their shots off early uh, and try and score and why would you, if you're a centre forward and you ain't the one taking, which I find weird anyway, and you ain't the one taking the penalty, why would you dive over the penalty over the chance of scoring a goal? Scoring a goal is the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Greatest feeling in the world. Why would you? Why would you want to go over? I don't. I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me that. But yeah. it's common sense from the referees. But going back to the point of that, none of these referees have played the game, and I mean like like ex pros should be. I'd love there was a program that you could get ex-pros into 
like being refs and stuff like that. I don't know why there ain't, and there's something that the FA should really look into. Because you t- listen to some of these guys and like Ferdinand, Neville's, all the he owns, all, all on TV. Their points are like, none of these to play the game. In the game, this happens, that happens. There must be a programme where we can get them into refereeing or something like that. There's got to be, there's enough players out there to do that at any level. Well, you know, that have especially played. non, you know, like um, uh, the lower leagues where you know, a, a 90 or whatever they get, like I think they get 90 grand a year, which is a tidy little salary. Um, cool. if, if you were if you were a non-league, you know, you played at a non-league level or or higher, that'd be a that'd be a good job. And it'd be fantastic. Also, and I, I know that this is a bit spiteful to say, but everybody knows the type of person that goes into being a referee at yeah, Sunday yeah. League, right? There's a certain, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's yeah. a certain type, certain caliber, certain it, caliber. Of yeah, person. and it's not it's not P, it's not Pierluigi Colina. You know, mm. Kalina holds his own on a football pitch. And you know, who, uh, uh, rugby does a really good job of, uh, uh, with officials. You respect them because they yep. look like they played the game. Massively, massively. That Kalina, you, if, you, if a player went up to them, he'd just go for them back, like, boom, shut up, this is it, job done. He was, he was actually fantastic to watch as well, Kalina, as a referee. Because not only did he get every decision right, Every player respected his decision and went, well, if he said it, that's, that's what it is. It was job done. Not saying he got everything right, because he probably did get some stuff wrong, but he was so well respected and he was a, he was a top ref, top ref. Yeah. And, uh, and if, if, um, if the salary isn't good enough, if 90 grand a year isn't enough for people to deal with all the shit that goes on around it, Make like Premier League clubs could afford to say, make this make this a quarter of a million pound a year job, and we will truly hold you to account. Like this, because yeah. this will be a fantastic job, and you're going to go and speak to the press, and the fans will get to know you like they get to know the managers or the players. And then if you've made a mistake, you can apologize. But at the moment, we won't hear anything from that referee. Right? No, nah, do you know what, Pete? I think we've got a good business model here, you know, to start up. Yeah, let's, sounds perfect, doesn't it? Like, let's, you know? We'll start a new union. We'll start a oh, new union. Why um, And uh, yeah, I, I think you, we were talking a little bit before the show about Arsenal and the decisions that, that have gone against us. I mean, a lot of VAR does not work in our favour, right? Uh, it's, it's been horrendous. I've just been sent a link out of a... Uh, one of the groups that I'm involved with, like Arsenal supporters, like we most are, and uh, there's a thing that's come up, I think it's on Twitter at the minute, I think I've just pinged it over to you, and it is ridiculous, you've got to see some of them to actually believe them, that they've been given against us, because it is unbelievable. I think there's about 10 or 12 on there, and you look at it, and you think how many points that's cost us over the two years, and it's a hell of a lot of points, hell of a lot of points. And I, I'll be honest with you, I think VAR even this year has probably cost us maybe nine points at least. Yeah, I mean, I think it back to the, you know, especially at the start of the season when we were operating on a fine margins model, I think back to that Leicester game where it was, oh. was it, was it Jacka got accused of blocking the goalkeeper when it clearly wasn't happening. And it's just... Um... The keeper was the right-hand side of him and, he's, uh, and they, he got accused of being in, in front of the keeper. And you you can't even you can't even excuse. Well, they're making those decisions fast because they they take a long time over making a bad decision. And yeah, it's um. I, I I don't know I don't know how you get back to it, but I do. I, I, if if you improve the quality of the referees, you wouldn't need to have so many ridiculous rules that get put into play and then they don't work. Hundred percent, hundred percent. VAR's there to help them at the end of the day. Whether you like VAR or you don't like VAR, I'm not a great fan of it. I don't like it. Most people know that, but it's there to help. It's not there to make a wrong decision. It's there to make the right decision, which people want. But if you've got VAR and you're still getting the wrong decisions, then you've got a big problem. Yeah, it's a talent issue. Um... It is. It really is. Well, so let's 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 move on from referees because referees is just going to get us frustrated. Um... <laughs> I want to. We could be here all night. Yeah, we we were we were talking about doing a podcast uh, before Christmas, and I, I was just all a little bit depressing around that time. But now things are starting to perk up, and I'm I've got to say I thought 
that first 45 minutes, I agree with you. I think it was the best footballing... It was, the, it was the best expression of Arteta football that I've seen. Like, what, what do you think has changed to make that sort of football happen? I fear, uh, personally, he's obviously, he's obviously working hard on the, on the training ground when he can. You, got, you don't forget, you can't, you can't do tons on the training ground because of the turnover of games. It's so quick. It's so quick. But whatever he is doing when we are training, he's, he, the players are buying into it. You can see there. Big factor is getting out these bad apples that we've had, likes of Ozil, which is clearly being a big problem. Clearly, Socrates, you know, not the best players in the world. Getting those out, Mustafi, thank Lord, he's gone. That's yeah. great. Um, so these they, them sort of players getting shifted out has obviously worked. Uh, bringing in someone like Thomas Party has just been huge. I mean, it's no, it's no thing about it. Uh, he was injured for them period of games where we uh, was really struggling. He comes back in. We look at we look a, a million dollar side compared to what we was before. Uh, the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe, the pair of them, are excellent, absolutely excellent. And I just think those three being added to the side, Party Saka and Smith Rowe, them three are probably on a different level to what we've got. Even in the fact of Abamia, he's a top draw finisher when he comes to it. He hasn't been playing the best lately, but them three are sort of. You know the balls are going, were going into him and that, and he was trying to trying to get onto them. When when you when you have someone like Party behind you and Smith Rowe and Saka, and you can ping that ball in, and there's people like Abamyang and Lacazette making their runs, they will keep making them runs, and then we'll get chances, and then we start playing the ball forward instead of playing backwards all the time, which we went we for a spell where we was just going sideways and backwards and going nowhere. And it, it was dead boring. We was watching Arsenal. I speak to me pals and that. I'm like, hey, who we got tonight? And we're, we're dead bored because all we're doing is playing sideways and backwards. Suddenly you get these these young players you know, who want to play and pop a, pop the ball about and go forward and you've got triangles appearing and spaces coming in. Suddenly your forward starts making runs and their defenders are getting pushed backwards. And you're like, fantastic. Then space opens up for other players. And you're like, here we go. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere. And I think that's made such a difference. Those three players coming into the side and the other players are just starting to buy into, really buy into what Arteta wants to do playing-wise. That's, that's, that's what I think of it. Um, and when, you know, I, 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 love the, I love that you're calling out those like very specific players because um, to not have Thomas Partey, who's who never injured, to where did what <laughs> two, two and a half games before the start of the year, which is you know that's a that's a big loss for a team that doesn't have a lot of amazing players. Um, and I, I agree, I, I love Saka and I love Smith Rowe, but I, I wanted to I wanted to get your take on on just the the football in general because I think fans were there was a a lot of angst about the style of football we were playing, and now the football is starting to come good. Do you think that Arteta has just suddenly started coaching? Uh, you know, better passing combinations? Or do you think the reality of Arsenal over the last year is if you don't have the players to play a system, you're, you have to fall back on what works. And we didn't have the players to play this fast, exciting brand of football that seems to be, you know, bubbling up. Yeah, you spot on. That second point is the thing. He's probably tried all these things, but with poor players, you ain't going to get nowhere. When you've got young players who, who are good, good players... Play together, Saka and uh, Smith Rowe have played together, and they come into the side. You've got something. They're good, good players. We've we did not have good players playing. I mean, the combination that we had at one of the game was Xhaka and El Nenny as their centre midfield. I'm sorry that that ain't even Championship level, in my opinion. That really that really struggles, and. Uh, you can't play certain a certain way unless you've got certain players. And now, now you're looking at it and Arteta's gone, he's had a couple of transfer windows now and he's gone, right, I need him. I need him. And then suddenly we're already, he, he probably he probably knew last year, he knew about Saka and, well, obviously when um, Emery played him and he knew about Smith Rowe coming through and he's thought, right, I'm going to use him. And they've blossomed for him, to be fair. They've really blossomed for him. And I just love the way we played that first half last night. You know what? It's making me angry thinking about that because I just gutted that we bloody lost the game. 
It's really giving yeah. me up. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back, like, we were excellent. And like, we've lost three points here. We were, we were really, really good first half. I really thought we played well. And what, um, I, like, Emil Smith Rowe, I mean, I know, like, I know we all love him. And it's, it's really difficult to keep your feet on the ground when you're talking about an exciting young player that's a Highlander. But it, I don't think it's an underestimation to say that the season has pivoted on his introduction. And he's, he's more than a young player, right? He's, he is at the level. Right? He's quality. He's quality. And I'll, I'll probably get a few came in me saying, oh, what are you talking about in a minute, right? But as soon as he come into the side and cut the games, I said, I was in the groups and that, and I said, boys, I said, I think Smith Rowe's better than Saka. That's a big call because Saka's very talented, right? And everyone's like, nah, put some, like, you know, give give the geezer credit. I said, give the geezer credit. Like, Saka's quality, but Smith Rowe, he just, he's got an engine on him. What I love about him, he doesn't, he doesn't forget his defensive work. Right, his defensive work is incredible at times, and you think like for a player like his engine on him, and you look at him around the 80th minute, and he looks shattered at times. But I think great because he's not putting in the work, and then suddenly he'll pick up the ball, he'll go bop bop bop, and he's past two players, and you think he's a what? It, Smith Rowe for me is is pure class. He is class, absolute class. I love the geezer. And the interesting thing about him as well is. Where it where has he learned that game from? You know, like there's no one, there's no one at the club that is, that, that plays in that in that style, and he certainly didn't pick it up from Mesut Özil. So it's no. like he, uh, you know, he, he models his game on um, De Bruyne, and it, what I like about the way he plays is it, it, it looks like he's more than a natural. It looks like he's been a student because he is so efficient. Yeah. You know, like it's it's almost. Uh, I, I sometimes think the 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 most spectacular players are the ones that just do the basics really well and keep things ticking. And the way that he's fit into that side, you know, the way that he receives the ball on the half turn, the speed of movement, and that there's not a lot of wastage. He doesn't mm. he doesn't try Hollywood balls. He's not Fernandezing um, into the box. And it's made us uh, like your your point earlier about. Um, when you have a good base at midfield, players make the runs. Like, he's a little bit of a lot of players that we love. A little bit of Rasitsky, a yeah. little bit of Haleb. Yeah, yeah. With yeah, way, got, you know? yeah, the Haleb, the Haleb things are quite a good call as it goes. But he, he just, he knows when is a time for him to bounce the ball back to someone. He knows when to do it. He knows when he can turn. He's another player that takes the ball in tight spaces, massively tight spaces. What a lover. He plays the ball around corners. We ain't had that for ages, like since like Ozil was on his game and stuff like that, probably two, three years ago. But this this guy, he just, he can play, he can see who's behind him. He can see, right, someone's running in there or the forwards have gone, listen, if you get in that ball, just pay it around the corner. I'm going to make that run. I'll make that run for you. And Centre forwards wouldn't do that if a player like him wasn't in the side because they'd say, what's the point in making that run because I'm not going to get it? With him in the side, he plays balls around the corner. He plays balls in behind the fullbacks. If he knows it ain't on, he just bounces it back and then he moves. Every time he passes, he's moving constantly. He's checking shoulders, moving, moving, checking shoulders, bouncing balls off. And he's like, I can't remember what game it was. There was a time he had the spell and I, I watched it and it was about probably about two and a half minutes and we had the ball and he was just constantly bopping balls off, bang, bang, passing, getting the ball. That's a long time in a football game to be doing that and constantly moving, constantly getting the ball, giving the ball, looking forward, knowing to make the right pass, knowing what's around him as well. And him and Saka, like I say, the pair of them, excellent. I think brilliant to Haaland as well for getting them boys through and great for Arteta to play them as well because they're first, they're first teamers now. And yeah. if they're not playing, you're like, ah, yeah, them, aren't they? yeah. So, I think and, they're excellent. And I think, um, I think another thing that we've got to talk about is the energy that the Haylenders have brought to the side appears to have inspired other players to pick up their game. And I want to, I want to kick off this part of the podcast on Nicolas Pepe. 
because he didn't look like he was good enough to play in a championship side a month ago. He'd been given chance after chance after chance, didn't impose himself at a game. His body language was terrible. His output was was drab. But I, I don't know I don't know who said something to him, but since he's since he's come back, the last three games, you cannot deny it, he's looked electric. What do you think about Pepe? I think he's been excellent, to be honest with you. The last, the last two, two, three games, like you say, he's been excellent. Before that, we was really thinking, well, we've bought a flop. We've really spent yeah. 72 million on this guy. And he's, I mean, go back to the cup final last year. He had a run of games before the cup final. And in cup final, I thought he was probably one of our best players. I thought he was excellent. Now, coming to this season, I, I can't remember who I spoke to. And they said he didn't have a pre-season. And I was like, oh, why didn't he have a pre-season? And something happened or blah, blah, blah. I don't know the true facts and I don't know if it's actually 100% true. But they said he didn't have a pre-season. And I, I think to myself, if you ain't going to have a pre-season, you're going you're to be short on the first 10 games anyway, definitely. And then suddenly, yeah, 10 games have gone and he hasn't really played week in, week out. We're in a bad run. And then suddenly, Chelsea game, he's just gone like, bang, I'm here. I'm, I'm the man. I'm going to sort this out it's like right we're playing Chelsea I know what to do against these boys I'll, I'll just I'll just tear them up they're you know they ain't that very good and uh, that's what he's done and even last night I thought he was unlucky to get dragged last night as well to be honest with you Pepe um, I really did I would have kept him on to be honest with you I would have kept him I think he's been good I think he's been good I'd have kept his goal wow I mean well, was it two, two nutmegs yeah but the the, um, the goal he set like he he's he sprung the, the the trap for the press, won the ball mm-hmm. back. And th- this is what we were talking about earlier. If you say, if you make it a striker's intent to stay on his feet, you make the game more interesting because he could have gone down in that box. It probably the easier option to go down, but he stood yeah. up. His balance was exceptional. The finish, my word. Oh, right foot as well with his right peg. I mean, he, he was... Uh... I was really happy for him. I mean, it's a great goal. And I just think he, he, he works hard as well. He was working really hard, getting back. Um, I, I was I thought he was a bit unlucky to get pulled, to be honest with you. He was a little bit unlucky. And uh, I know people will probably go to me, I'm mad again. But I would have probably, at that stage in the game, I would have probably done Saka instead of Pepe. I really would have. Um, I just thought Pepe had something about him last night. He had that bit between his teeth. Yeah, I, I, I wondered as well. I, I wondered if it was because he's had quite an intense run of games and that maybe they were putting him, wrapping him in cotton wool a little bit mm. for the weekend. Um, another, um, another player that I am constantly impressed with, I thought, I thought Lacazette was central to everything in that yeah. first half. I mean, truly, he, like, everyone laughed when they put him in the false nine position. Um, <laughs> But I remember Steve Bowles said that, you know, a few years ago, he said Lacazette can easily play as a number 10. And I, I thought his link-up play um, and his first-time his first movement, his work rate. I, I mean, I don't want to give a 29-year-old another deal. But if there's anyone who's going to get another deal in the team, I mean, Lacazette does not stop working. No, true. And uh, the, the big, big thing with Lacazette is what's coming out is that he's very good with the young players as well. So that that's obviously really helping. Uh, when you've got Lacazette, he's dropping in for the ball and he's just bouncing balls off. And then you've got Pepe and Sacco. Boom, they're gone. And then the third man run of Smith Rowe because he makes them. You're going to cause teams problems. There's no doubt about it because you're thinking, where are these runners coming from? If you're a defender in a 4 4 you're thinking, right, where are they coming from? And it makes a big difference when you can get someone who can hold the ball bounce it off or turn and give the right pass. And Lacazette's been good at that. He's been in good scoring um, form as well. He's scored a few goals as well lately, which is, I think he's boosted his confidence in that. And when you look at it, Aubameyang's been out the last few games. Did we really miss him when he was out? I don't think we did. That's that's the scary thing about that Aubameyang deal. And I, I love Aubameyang and I don't think that he'll ever be a Meza Ozil for us. But no. he he's not really that well suited to this system. You put him out on the left and he doesn't give you, he doesn't give you the, the, the press. You put him yeah. in the middle. He doesn't have the link up play. And I, I don't think he has the physicality or the game to really play as a central striker, unless he's got, uh, you know, like a, a Dembele. Like if you, if you play a game where you're like, well, we're going to have two wide people that are just feeding 
balls into the six yard box at pace than, yeah. than maybe, but I, I wonder, you know, whether he's even got that game now because the, the, the pace starts to deteriorate after 31. So it certainly does. I mean, I looked at him and I thought, uh, I've been saying it looks like he's lost half a yard of pace already. It's like he signed a contract and his half a yard of pace is gone. The old money's got a bit heavier in his pocket and he ain't running as fast. <laughs> Hopefully not, because uh, we all love a Bamiang and you, we yeah. know when he gets in the box, when he's on that streak, he is a hot, hot finisher. And there's not many better finishes about than him when he's when he's when he's on that streak. Yeah, but um, it gives us another option though. It's fantastic. Why not? You don't need just oh well, we've got a Bamiang and that's it. Why not just mix it up a bit and right, we we drop him and start playing well, start scoring the goals. We're going to bring someone else in. I don't know. It just gives us good options. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, another sort of uh, went a little bit unsaid last night, but the our bench. Uh, Gabri- Gabriel Martinelli, Martin Odegaard, Danny Ceballos, William, Cal Chambers, Mo Nenny, Gabriel Margellas, Obamian. Like, when, <laughs> when have we? And it was, it was not, uh, you know, when it's a, a Carlin Cup match, they're like, all right, well, of course you're going to have a bench. That, that, was, that bench was that strong. And we yeah, played that serious. well. We, look, mm. look how well we played. And, oh, no. This is the uh, the other interesting thing about the the coaching conversation. I think there were there were points in November where you're like, "Who's getting better? Is anybody getting better in this side?" It certainly doesn't look like it. But I don't know what's clicked with everybody. But Cedric Suarez looks immense. I mean, he had another fantastic game. Like he looks very useful. Um, I think he's got uh, like a great final ball, brilliant work rate, and his defending uh, has been top notch. Granite Xhaka. I mean. Not my favourite player, not your favourite player, but it, it's it's difficult to not say. Pete, I'm not having it, mate. <laughs> I am not having that geezer. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? And, uh, <laughs> no, just no. He's, the, the, the geezer is not a footballer. He, Granite Xhaka is not a footballer. Party, the thing with Xhaka, right? Party does two men's work. He does two men's work. And Xhaka, I mean, I watch him like, the other game, we played the other, the United game, I thought he'd done okay. I really did think he'd done okay. And then I watched him last night, first half, I thought, yeah, you're doing okay. And then second half, oh, right, yeah, you're going back because you're losing your head again. You're getting pulled out of your position again. And you're you sort of, I, I just watch him, right? And I think he hides. I think he hides. I know this sounds mad, right? You done a thing the other day. You said this thing, and I was about to. I was that infuriated with you, Pete. I was going to ring you up, right? <laughs> you said oh, you done a post ninety-seven percent uh, pass completion from Zeka, nigh on world class. Let me tell you where that geezer passes the ball, right? He passes the ball sideways, two two yards to his next player, backwards. Oh, backwards again. He'll pop up and give the ball back back to the keeper. If he was behind the keeper, right? He'd pass it to someone in the stands. That's how many times that geezer plays the ball backwards. Granite Xhaka is not good enough for Arsenal Football Club. Granite Xhaka, we will never win the league with him in the side because he's poor. Oh, man, he is not a footballer. I'm not having him. Everyone else, yeah, but him, no. Sorry, terrible. Attitude stinks. Just no. Can't what? run, can't pass. I've got more. Let me let me give more about the geezer. He sucks. Uh, yeah, I hate him. I hate the geezer. That that is a that is a very very passionate view there. Oh my god! <laughs> Anyone that says he's good does not know the game of football. I'm sorry. He um, I think to, to be fair to him though, he is he's another one that's very good behind the scenes. He's not uh, he's not. A he win- must be. He yeah. must be good behind the scenes. Yeah. Because <laughs> my god. I've had times when I thought, well, I could have 15 pints and still be better in on the pitch. But you know, I like, don't think he plays in others, any other side in the league. I really don't. I don't think he gets in any other Premier League side. But you know, I can't it, see it. These, like, when you read through the numbers after the game, nine most ball recoveries. He made the most successful tackles yesterday. Uh, 92% pass completion. Doesn't look like short passes either. And in a, in a, in a nine-man team... Um, after watching Southampton drop nine goals, uh, like what the you know the the shots yesterday were what, what they they had eleven shots on goal 
yesterday. Uh, seven on target. You know, considering we were down to nine men, that's that's not too indifferent from a normal game. I mean, quite a quite a good performance. At least at least he doesn't look useless at the moment. He's got party next to him. Party He's, is that good? Yeah, part party's party is lifting. Uh, he party is interesting because he's one of those players that makes everybody around him better. And I feel oh, like we, we, we've lacked we've lacked that sort of player. You know, Patrick Vieira had that. Yes, yeah, Fabregas yeah. had that. Uh, Dennis Burkamp had that. It's nice to have. And I still go back. You know, this is this is the the beauty of Twitter opinions. I remember that there were a crowd when we bought him saying we wouldn't sign him on a free transfer. Hang your heads in shame. <laughs> oh, Thomas Party. Thomas Party. Can you imagine going live with that opinion? I mean, it took me, right, going on Party and, and the Xhaka thing, right? Xhaka must look at him and think as well. If he's got half a bracelet, he must think, God, he's a top player, right? He's going to really help me out here. And it, it must give him a confidence playing with him because if he looks at El Nene, he must think, oh, my God. And if he looks at other players, he must think, oh, my God, he can't just get on with his game. Of what I don't know what he does, but whatever game he thinks of. But with Hartie next to him, he can just concentrate on his thing because Hartie does most of the work. He does most of the work. He can nick the ball and give the ball. Hartie, I, I just think he's a great centre midfielder. He's exactly what you want as a centre midfielder. And to me, you look at Xhaka and he's exactly what you don't want as a centre midfielder. Yeah, I, I, I think... You know the rumblings that I'm hearing is that in the in the summer there will be a big focus on trying to get as much cash in the door as possible and trying to find a golden centre midfielder that can really drive the the, the club forward because yeah you, the the one uh, like I, I wouldn't say Jack isn't a footballer because I think that actually you know he, he does a lot of things really well what he is not is an athlete and in the Premier League. If you are not an athlete, it's really difficult to make a career these days, right? You need legs. You need legs. And I think in the Man United game, I, I actually think when I, I said before the game, I bet they play McTominay because McTominay's got legs. And I said, I bet he goes and presses Xhaka. And there's the fact that he got an injury, that might have helped us out a little bit. I know Pogba dropped in there, but I really thought that Skullshire, he, he's going to put McTominay in there and he's going to really go and press Xhaka when he's on the ball. And make him try and make a few mistakes because that's what I'd do if I was because he, he'll give the ball away or he'll make a he'll make a silly rush challenge, uh, he'll kick the ball off and you're back in possession. But yeah, I don't know. Go on, I, I, I'm gonna leave Jacker alone because uh, everyone has a go at me because I keep going on about him. So that's it. Yeah, look, I I think that there are a lot of people that have got that view. Um, and the, you know the, the it is difficult as well to like when you've got a player that has a weakness that needs uh you know a lot of players around him to mm. uh, to make like jacker is a tactical weakness in the setup at the moment and i think if you could find somebody that could do similar things to him but with a lot more energy i think we'd be in a better position and in, interestingly we've gone from jacker being the focal point for distribution to even jacker now Give the ball to give the give the ball to Thomas. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is a good. Listen, uh, we, he was in the side last night when we. I could be contradicting myself, but he was in the side last night. That's the best we've played for forty. The best forty-five minutes that we've played for a hell of a long time, and he was in the side, so he must be improving slightly. It's also nice that um, that the problems that we've got in the side in the squad now are not as. Like we're playing good football, we can attack, we can defend. We found balance. There's a style emerging. We've got one of the best defenses in the league, which we have not had in a very, very, very long time. Like the problems mm-hmm. are now switching pieces out and upgrading versus where you know maybe even two months ago you were like, "What the fuck is this project? There's nothing <laughs> yeah. here. What is it? Where is it going?" Yeah, uh, definitely. So I, I just wanted to touch on um, some of the some of the squad building as well. Uh, what do you think of uh, what Arsenal did in January? I mean, I haven't seen much of of that. Is it o- Odegaard or whatever? Odegaard, was, yeah. His, Odegaard, no, I've not seen much of him. I mean, I hear a lot of good things, and he was like, you know, we was after him a few years back. Um, I spoke to you about it, and you said, yeah, he's, he's top draw. 
I hope it doesn't hold Smith Rowe back because he sort of plays in the same position. Is that right? Around that uh, sort of. I think that I think that um, that they can they can play in the same position, but um, Erdegaard can play on the left. Uh, he had a lot of success on the right when he went to um, Heerenveen, I think. And yeah. Or did he go to Vitesse? He, he went to a Dutch side and he had a pretty good run. But he can also play as a, a, a you know a, a more dynamic sort of number eight, a little bit deeper. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it both uh, the middle of the park up and a bit of flair play up a little bit. So we'll see. We'll have to see on him, like you know. So I don't. I really need to see him play for a good six to eight games to have proper judgment. Hopefully, if he's gone Real Madrid, if Real Madrid have bought you, you're going to be a half decent player. You've got something in you. Uh, The keeper, Runison, is he a keeper? Is he a goalkeeper? Yeah, he's a. I I think he's a ball boy. I'm not sure. (laughs) Something went wrong there. Yeah, so it's gone. To be fair to him, he made a good save with his feet last night. Uh, That was about it. He's yeah, out of he's out him. of the Europa League squad. He's been Good. removed. Good, I think he should be. To be that's quite a honest slap. with you, that's that a is slap. a big slap. That's a slap. So he'll be. I'll take it. He'll be gone next window. No doubt about that. But uh, the other keeper as well that we just got in. Let's hope he's fit for the. Well, I don't know. Is he going to be fit for the weekend? I don't know. I think he has to be because otherwise well, we're going to I mean, be in trouble, right? We could be in big trouble. Um, so it, it was decent. That's getting players in. Getting players out, I think, was excellent. What they done by getting players out was excellent. Uh, Socrates, who I don't think was that bad for us. He weren't he weren't setting the world alight or anything, but he weren't that bad. Getting rid of Ozil was clearly a bad apple in the in and around the club, wasn't it? It was such a saga and going on and on and on. Thank God he's gone. Yeah, job done. Um, and um, Mustafi Lee yeah. is just like wow. I couldn't believe that. That was that was where I nearly popped the champagne that night. That was that was great. That was really great. Him him leaving was fantastic because he has been a calamity of a defender for us for his whole contract. And there's games where I, I actually cringe back to think that what what has he been doing? How has he stayed on the pitch? How has he not been dragged after three minutes and said you're not good enough to play football for Arsenal Football Club? He, uh, he was all. We all know he was awful, right? It I was. Think, we all it, it was quite. It's one of that someone uh, was giving an analysis of him the other day. They were like, he's a pretty good defender, uh, except for the massive calamities he makes every single game. And it's like it is, you know, like that's we, probably true. On paper, you're like, wow, you know, he's he's he's, he's aggressive. He's he's good on the air. He can, he can pass the ball. But there's always a moment in the game where you're like, oh my god, what are you doing? And it yeah, it. it he he had a pretty good run for the first six months of last year, um, but I, I I understand like he was very much part of the German clique behind the scene. Right. I think he was. I don't think he was easy to work with, especially when things were going badly. So I'm, I'm just I don't I'm know why. Glad to he get him out begged. the door. Fantastic. A prime example of that one was when we played the filthful way at Wembley. We was excellent, and he was playing really well. He played right back that day. And he was he was playing really really well, and then we're late on, and he nudges the geezer in the back and gives a penalty away. And you think, why oh why oh why? And especially against him as well. And that was the prime Mustafi and a prime of what you've just said of saying he was great at sometimes and then absolutely calamitous at other. And it cost us, cost we, us. We've we've nearly we've nearly got rid of all of those problem signings. Arsene, you know, when Arsene Wenger got a checkbook and everyone said, oh, Arsene Wenger's got money now, he'll show you. And he signed, what is it, Lucas Perez, Xhaka, oh. Mustafi, I mean, Asano. Do you remember him? The, yeah, I remember the him. Japanese striker. I mean, we're, we're getting to the point now where the squad is starting to, starting to look like something functional. Yeah, we're looking like a nice balanced squad. Like, you know, we've got a nice balance about us. Um, well, at one stage, we did also have about 16 centre-halves at one stage, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, we had, <laughs> we had so the only, many. The only, the only, um, only centre-half that remains that you sort of wonder about, like Cal Chambers seems like a decent player. Yeah. And it, he was he was started um, when Arteta first joined. He was in the starting eleven and looking good. And I think he's on like a seven-year deal or something crazy like that. It was very surprising that he didn't go out on loan. Yeah, 
Maybe he sees something in him and he's going to be fit. The Chambers can play midfield as well, can't he? He played there for Fulham. He played there as a DM there, wasn't it? When he was at Fulham. Yeah, he's got he's got a, he's got a lovely range of passing. He's a very uh, I think he's an intelligent player. He I always felt like he lacked pace a little bit. Yeah, little mobility bit again, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. It depends, doesn't it? Like you got to have that quota of English players as well when you're in the in the side. He might he might qualify for that for us and that. So I don't know, man. You can't get rid of everybody in one go, can you? You know, you got to. Can't. You can't get rid of everyone. But you look at the squad now and you think, yeah, it's quite... The one for me is the Saliba thing. I worry that we're going to really miss the boat out on him because reports are saying that he's playing quite well out in France again and and whatnot. I don't know. um, I don't know what's happening there. We had a... uh, uh, There's a a guy on Twitter, Giles, uh, top top scout in my opinion, and he's he's got it's like at Gramondi tweets or something. He's always getting suspended because he shares videos. But he had um he did a really good analysis. He watches every game. A lot of a lot of Arsenal fans pretend they watch Saliba, but yeah. they don't. He watches every game because he live tweets. And he said that that it's very clear that the fundamental issue William Saliba has is that despite being a very big player, um, he's not very good at defending high balls into the box. Gets all his angles really? wrong. Yeah, and if you, the, the, um, he made a mistake against uh, San Etienne at the weekend where it, it was late in the game and he tried to clear a header and it, it, it didn't get, it grazed off him and then it led, you know, it led to a goal because he, he didn't make full contact. And uh, apparently he's a bit shaky. And when you think about right. what Rob Holding offers that Arsenal backline, he's brilliant in the air. I, I, I think, you know, like, if you're a goalkeeper in La Liga, you can get away with being a good shot stopper. But if you come to the Premier League, if you can't catch crosses, it's really mm. difficult to make a career in the Premier League. And I think it's really difficult to... But like, you know, Liverpool's game is long balls into the box, diagonal diagonal balls into the box. If you can't head, you're toast. So I think, yeah. I think that's what he's got to improve on. And I also think, you know, like he's 19 years old. 19 year like for Fana aside, 19 year old centre backs do not really make it in the Premier League. So I don't I don't think a, a year in France is going to be that damaging. My my upset is that he probably should have taken a move to the championship, learn the language, you know. English game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean the championship's brutal as well. There's some good sides in there and you're up against some decent forwards and you're gonna learn how to defend and defend very quickly if you go to the championship, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's um, you know League League One has some fantastic players, but the reason that you can be a, a teenage centre back in League One is because the overall quality isn't very high, so they give yeah. a lot of opportunities to, to young players. And I think the Championship has a lot of quality, but it's 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 the pace and it's that sort of you know that English mentality, you know, of of you, you your luxury Premier League club, bang, yeah, and, at that. He's not. He's not going to learn the speed. That's what I worry about. But you know, still a an, an exceptional talent. But it's it's good that we got most of the players out on loan. Joe Willock has got to find his game. Yeah, uh, I, I I think he's got something. A lot of people were, I know they're like, no, nah, get him and Nelson. They say get rid of them, and I'm like, are you sure? I think they're worth having a having a try at. Like you know, having a good run of games. I don't know where they're going to get into the side because we we obviously want it now, don't we? We want it. We, we've waited too long. How long are we going to wait for before we're good? Um, but I think if the other boys like Saka and Smith Rowe can do it, I'm sure Willick and Bruce Nelson have have got something in them as well. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing with Willock is he, you know, there's like some little snarky comment that he's made. Uh, you know, Steve Bruce has got an actual plan for me. I've never had a plan. It's like Joe, you, you. Do you know Joe Willock played? Uh, someone, a friend, told me the other day in a group chat. So Joe Willock played forty-two games under uh, under Unai Emery. Forty-two games. I can barely remember wow. one. I can barely no. remember one. And I think that's Joe Willock's problem. A few it's in like, the Europa. Yeah, it's like there's Finks, something there. But what is it? Yeah, thinks he's there. He probably thinks when you get a star, he's where he's young. He probably thinks he's better than what he actually is. Uh, that's yeah. the, that's probably the problem. And saying. If he's coming out with a comment like that to the manager, he should be doing everything the manager says. And right, yeah, great. I mean, he's got a loan to a to um, a struggling 
Premier League side. What a great loan. Make the most of it. Go and play. You're going to play. Every game's important for Newcastle at the minute. So go and play. Go and learn your trade and then maybe come back a, a 10 times better player. Yeah, I think that Newcastle, yeah, I've watched, I, Newcastle always seem to be on the TV, so I've watched them quite a bit this season. Their, their final, their, their, the final ball in the, uh, in the final third is, is terrible. So he's going to add a lot of value there um, and, you know, hopefully give Newcastle a bit of a kick. And also just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Maitland-Niles, turned down Leicester, turned down Southampton because he wanted to show Arteta and Edu that he can play in midfield. What do you think, you know, what are you expecting from Maitland-Niles at West Brom? I love that from Maitland-Niles, to be honest with you. I absolutely love that. And I I actually think Maitland-Niles probably sits there and thinks, I'm a centre midfielder and I've got Xhaka in front of me. Jesus Christ, what have I got to do? And with him going to there, he's got to play. He's going to play week in, week out, centre midfield. And Sam Allardyce is not going to have any passengers in that side. They are desperate for points. He's going to make him run through brick walls for him if he has to. Let's see how good his attitude is because I always look at him and I think, "Uh, your attitude's what's letting you down. That laid back, like... Looks a bit dopey at times. Sometimes, like he, like he don't care enough. Like I, I don't know. And then when we score a goal, you can see he's got he's got Arsenal in his heart. You can see because he wants it. But going to West Brom, I think, is a really good move for him. He can play. He's going to have pressure. There's going to be times when they ain't going to have a lot of the ball, so he's going to learn his defensive where he should be positioning wise. Uh, there's a few old Arsenal boys there as well, weren't there at West Brom? There's, so he knows a few people. Kieran yeah. Gibbs, Bartley's there as well. Am I right in saying Bartley's oh, there? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's there. Um, so he can um, he can hopefully learn a lot there and learn a lot from Allardyce and like the dis- discipline that he he needs defensively if he wants to be a top midfielder at Arsenal. And Sam Allardyce, I know that we give him a lot of shit, but he is a good coach because the, <laughs> he drills you. Yeah, there's a reason that he always gets, uh, that he always keeps his teams up, and that's because he's a disciplinarian. And I actually think it's it, he's almost the perfect coach for a player that lacks the things Maitland Niles does, because you 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 have to be focused in a relegation fight, right? Everybody yeah. has to pull their weight, and you, like there's no hiding. And not not that I ever think that Maitland Niles hides, but I, I from what I understand with Willock and Maitland Niles, there's a certain you know. A, there is a lack of focus in what they do at the training ground. They're not like uh, Smith Rowe and Saka. So I'm excited yeah. because the great thing about the West Brom move and turning down Southampton and Leicester is he's not thinking about his next move. He's thinking about coming back to Arsenal next year and making it with us. And I think that that's a really positive sign about what we're building under Arteta. Yeah, I think great. I mean, if if we can get something out of uh, Maitland-Niles as a centre midfielder, uh, then wow, we save a lot of money. To we save a hell of a lot of money where we can invest it in other areas. So if he comes back and he make look, best of luck to him. I hope so because he's been at the club a long, long time. He's English, and I, I'd love him to really make it our place. Let's let's just see if he does it. He's just got a knuckle down. Uh, and don't worry, these a lot of these other players like they're concerned, they're worried about England call ups, this call up. Just get your head down and play football. Just. Don't worry about anything else and all this social media. If I was a young, if I was a parent and I had a young player now who, who was good enough, I'd say, don't worry. I know it's hard. Get, turn social media off. Don't worry about all that rubbish and what you're hearing, what you're listening. Someone's doing this and that. Just play football. Concentrate on playing football and enjoying it. And they'll become a 10 times better player than listening to social media, watching social media and doing all silly stuff. Just play football. That's all you got to do. Play football. What a life. What a what, life. What a play life. football. Yeah. It's, it's also interesting as well. It's, I, and I know, I know that if I'd been given 40 grand a week, I'd probably be dead. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, you, you don't need the validation of social media. You're a, you're a yeah. fucking footballer. You've got a washboard six pack. You're rich. You're young. You, you're on TV every week. Like, that's, that's, uh, just focus on your game and be yeah. be the best that you can be because it's a short career. Massively, massively. Get to that position when you're 25, where and then suddenly you become that bit mature, maturer, and you're just in the game. It's constantly do all that when you're it, it, bloody hell. 
you retire from football at your 30 up, 35, didn't you? 34, 35, these other players. Do what you got to do after that. Don't worry about it. Just play the game and be the best at football is what you can be. Because it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you're a long time retired and you miss the game when you stop playing. And uh, you'll regret it. Exactly. And I, and I think the, the, great, the great thing about Arsenal at the moment is Saka and Smith-Rowe have shown if you're good enough, you'll play. Yeah. And you will continue to retain your space. And I think Flo Balogun is another one. It's like, stop messing around on the internet. Sign, a, <laughs> sign, sign the deal. And if you are good enough, you will play. I think we're all excited about what Balogun can offer. But I do worry that you know, a lot of people are like, well, he'll, he'll leave and he'll go and be a Serge Gnabry. I, I, I think that that can go. That goes, that's very rarely goes the way of Serge Gnabry. And I think that... Chase, chase, don't chase money on your first contract. Money will follow it, success. If, if, you're, if you're a good... It, that's what gets on my nerves on, about these players and they're, they're doing silly tweets after the game. God, like they're 19. Don't expect to get like 100 grand. Oh, I'm 19. I deserve 100 grand. No one deserves 100 grand at 19. No one. No, only a brain surgeon deserves that money. And like... I just don't understand why that why they think at nineteen they've got this god given right to be playing in the side. I, I just I just don't get it. If you're good enough and work hard, keep your head down, listen to the manager, because if you're good enough, he'll want to play you. He won't keep you otherwise. He will not keep you. You'll be gone within the next two windows anyway. Just get your nut Balogun looks I mean, from all the clips and that you see for the under twenty threes, he looks fantastic. Looks electric, yeah. Looks but he ain't done nothing in the Premier League yet. No. He's done nothing. He's, he's, he's demanding all this stuff, but he ain't done nothing. One injury away from ending his career. He ain't done nothing at the minute. And, and I was... hope to God we, he stays and does the business, but just play. I don't, these young players just need to try and play football. Yeah. And if, it, if Arsenal gave him 60 grand a week and he tanked because he wasn't motivated anymore, then you'd be lumbered with uh, an average kid on 60 grand a week that's just going to see out a five-year deal. So I make Arsenal I right. Say. I don't think we should be over-investing in these players. Um, no, I hope to God he stays. But like you say, you're paying someone 60 grand a week and then everyone will go, oh, that's stupid a week, giving him six. And this happened before. We've done it before with young players. With Nicholas Bedner. Contracts. A lot of them. A lot yeah. of them. So um, cl- closing thoughts. Um, what are your what are your hopes and dreams for the rest of the season? What are you looking for out of Arsenal? Do you know what? I was thinking about this earlier, and I think this season is get the most out of it that we can, like playing certain players like we know this is going to be how we play, you know, this is what we're going to be doing, and basically use it as a stepping stone for next season. I don't think we're going to make top four with the points and well you never know that's the funny thing you never know uh we might make europe i i just think my hopes are do well in the europa league if we can be nice to win a trophy because we we bombed that we threw away that fa cup which i was a bit gutted about to be honest with you Um, i I am a bit gutted about that but go for the go for the trophy the european trophy um just get your head down and work hard and let's see some if we see Another 10 performances like that out of Arsenal for the rest of the season. You know we're going in the right direction. And uh, I think we are. I think we're, I think we're, we're going to be OK. I think next, next year, if we can get the right players in, just a couple more, then we're going to be a bit, a bit more of a force. And yeah. we can really go for it. Agree with that. And I, I, I wouldn't even mind. Uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind if we dropped out of Europe next year because... It ain't going to really affect us because no one's spending money because of all this coronavirus and everything. Like no one's spending money, so if a player wants to come to you, they're going to they're going to come because they want to play for Arsenal. We're still a massive pool. That's what people need to remember. We're Arsenal Football Club. We're a big pool. So if we ain't got Europe, we ain't got Europe. We'll swallow that for a year this year. But then we go and we go big and we we go for let's go for not just top four. Let's go and try and win the league. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, if We've got uh, more performances like the first half for the rest of the season. Prove, prove that the project is, is going in the right direction. If, if Europe comes, great. But if it doesn't, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody would be... I, I wouldn't be too fast. Maybe the, the bean counters would be. And then, um, and then, and then yeah, I, I think 
start strong next season. But the key of what is absolutely key and what I'm what I, I've, I've taken a lot of um, hope from is uh, Edu and Arteta have learned their lesson of uh, of what it takes to be a good player at Arsenal. No more mm. no more shortcuts. It's young players. It's vibrancy. It's energy. 22-year-olds are not thinking about their retirement plan. They're thinking about football. Maitland-Niles, he's got that in his head. He wants to play football in centre midfield. That's why he's at West Brom. He's not thinking about a a bigger money deal elsewhere. Uh, And we need to be the most exciting, youthful team in the Premier League to to make us attractive without European football, right? Yeah. Uh, Erdegaard has come because he's excited about the project. Hopefully he'll be here next year. Like you build out a young, vibrant, exciting team and you start building players up. Then when you do make the Champions League, you've got a young squad. Like this idea that we were going to make the Champions League and William was going to lead us to glory in two years' time was farcical. But at least we've, you know, shit mistakes. They've been made. But now is the time to move forward. And yesterday's opening 45 showed that we're well coached, showed that there's a good vision and showed that we're starting to learn from our mistakes. So fingers crossed uh, it's going to be a, a, a fun next uh, five months. Yeah, hopefully. I, I, think, I think you're spot on. Uh, the energy and intensity of Arsenal game, like if we have that the same as what we had last night, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And everyone I spoke to was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was like, oh, yeah, we lost. Last night we lost, but... We're there, we're gutted because we knew we played well. And there's like, everyone's like, yeah, we, 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 we've got something here. We've got a good side. We've got a good, he's doing, he's doing, he's doing his stuff, Oateta. Let him work it. We can all see it happening. Agree. Well, Lee, uh, thank you very much for coming back on the show. That was a really fun chat. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll invite you back soon. Brilliant. Awesome. And if you're listening and you've got an iPhone, open it up, give us a five-star review, say, hey, Lee was fantastic. That was a really that was a really inspiring conversation. I feel motivated about Arsenal because I feel motivated talking to you, Lee. So I uh, hope <laughs> yeah. everybody else does. Uh, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with an On The Whistle podcast. Ciao for now. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus, the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.